This is what's new in adapted physical education. With I work collaboratively with the, with the physical therapist and OT and the classroom teacher. They help me out a lot. We try to work on each other's goals in our classes. Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you're at. This is what's new in adapted physical education with Scott McNamara. Uh, and we're here for our second episode with Erica Hope. Hi, Erica. Good morning. <laughs> it's um, nice to see you on the Skype. And um, we are talking today about uh, adaptive physical education. We're going to talk about adapted aquatics in early childhood with Erica. Um, and we're really excited. Today is July 27th, and it happens to be my birthday, so... I want to hear some birthday shout-outs on the podcast. I'm really excited about that uh, and reading your comments. The last podcast went really, really well. Um, within one week, I had 600 hits on it and some comments, so please keep them coming. And if you have any ideas for some topics or questions, um, you know, please let me know on the blog, and we should be up on iTunes um, within the week or, in, or two weeks. So, Erica, um, if you could just please just introduce yourself and tell everyone who you are, and uh, what it is that you do. All right. Hello, listeners. I'm Erica Hope. I'm an adapted PE and aquatics teacher in Wayne Westland School District. This is going to be my third year teaching. I teach pretty much five PE classes throughout the week in the morning, and the, everything else is in the pool. Um, I have a wide range of students. We have, like, a center-based side of our school, so I teach students with emotional impairments, cognitive impairments, POHI, which is physical and other health impairments, as well as severely multiply impaired. I also have seven different preschool classes coming in um, throughout the week. They're considered our ECP program. These students are, uh, they have a wide range. They're normally developmentally delayed cognitively impaired on the spectrum, or a lot of our other students have CP. It's just a wide range of students, pretty much age two and a half to five years old. They're a lot of fun. <laughs> awesome. Um, and Erica and I uh, met, uh, we went to grad school together um, in a program, uh, the MyLeap program at Wayne State University. So we went through our uh, graduate degree together and talked together and presented together, so Erica and I know each other uh, very, very, very well, almost like a second family. Um, so we have Erica in today, and we talk about early childhood and some adapted aquatics, because that is what she's working in. And Erica, the first thing I want to ask you, though, is about how did you, um, you know, get into the field of adaptive physical education? What led you to this, this field? So it's kind of a fluke. I'm really happy that everything worked out the way it did. I got my PE degree from Albion College, and I was just subbing for a while. And I got into this long-term subposition at Wayne Westland um, for an adapted PE teacher, and I only had had one class in undergrad. I had no idea what it was, really, but I loved it. I loved working with the students and all the fun that we had each day. So after the subbing job ended at the end of the school year, I was really interested in getting my 
adapted PE endorsement because I knew that was something I loved and I wanted to teach. And then I kind of, through a friend, someone told me about the Miley program where I met you, Scott. And everything since then has gone smoothly. I got a job in Wayne Westland, and I just love it. I'm really happy with where I'm at right now. Awesome. When you're in the uh, and you're in the pool most of the day, mm-hmm. and when you're in the pool and you're working with kids with disabilities, um, how would you approach a student with a disability? Uh, getting him into the water the first time, or if they're like a little scared of the water, how, how is it that you, as an a- adapted aquatics teacher, um, try to you know guide them into the pool? Well, that happens a lot within my program. Some students have never even been in a pool before, so we try to ease the kids in. I work with two other adults in the pool, two paraprofessionals, so there's three of us in the pool, and there's two on deck. So I try not to pressure the students. I don't want anyone to have a bad experience in the water and then remember it because I've talked with some adults who have had bad experiences and it just shuts them off from the water completely. So it's different for each individual, but I have a few tricks that I try to do with our students. Um, We have a zero entry pool, so it's kind of walking down a ramp. So I'll have them walk in slowly one-on-one with an adult. My warm-up program that I do with the kids it's moving around to music so a lot of little kids enjoy music we try to get them dancing so it's kind of just weaning them into the water getting their toes wet getting their knees wet being more comfortable if that doesn't work singing one-on-one with the student I do a jumping routine where we count to 10 and we jump and if someone's scared we'll hold both hands and with them that gets them it's just trying to get their mind off of being scared yeah. and having fun, I guess, is my main goal. Uh, I've also been like, let's get our bathing suit wet. Let's get our knees wet. Let's get our elbows wet. And sometimes that works. Could we please get a song? You mentioned a song was a good way to get the kids in to the pool. Could well, we Could we get a, Could we get a quick sample of that? I guess uh, <laughs> Hokey Pokey. Sometimes... This is a song I do while the students are already in the pool because we work on different aquatic skills. So, for example, um, (laughs) getting someone to scoop who doesn't want to scoop. Don't make fun of my singing voice, but we we would say, this is the way I scoop my arms, scoop my arms, scoop my arms. This is the way I scoop my arms so early in the morning. We kind of do that with everything. The hokey pokey is a crowd pleaser. If you're happy and you know it, I kind of add in different aquatic skills or movements. The monkeys jumping on the bed is also a, a great one in the pool. So it sounds like there's a lot of you know fun ways to try to introduce it, and depending on the kids, you're using a different way for each one. And sometimes that doesn't even work. Sometimes I have students that are so scared, they only want to sit on the pool deck. Well, if they're really crying, I'm going to try to get them in, but maybe the first day they'll have to be watching, and we'll bring a bucket of water over, have them pour the bucket on themselves, have them pour the bucket on us, just trying to get comfortable, because I don't like to force anyone. Absolutely. Awesome. So, you know, before you were saying that you have a wide variety of kids um, that, you know, with different disabilities that you work with on a regular basis... Um, so I was kind of wondering, you know, what type of equipment are you using in the pool 
to work with kids with physical disabilities, with autism. So what are the, what's the different types of equipment we have? Well, every single student has to wear a life jacket, no matter what. Even if they're a strong swimmer, I'll take it off. I'll let them take it off at the very end. But getting into the pool, everyone wears a life jacket. We also have swim tubes and saucers um, that we get the students in if they need more balance in the pool. We have pool noodles. My school has a lot of Danmar products. They are the company that makes the really soft helmets that a lot of students wear. Mm-hmm. They have a whole pool line that we use with head floats and this thing called the Delta Swim System. It's a diamond in the front and a triangle in the back, and you tie it together. It's just less bulky compared to a life jacket could be on some students. Uh, we use aquatic chairs. Like I said, we have a zero depth, zero entry pool. So we have aquatic chairs made out of PVC pipe and mesh. The students get wheeled in if they can't walk in safely. Now, what's a zero entry pool? So it's kind of like a water park would have or a beach where it starts off with literally like an inch of water and then it gradually gets deeper and deeper. We have a ramp that you would walk in and then it gets deeper and deeper as you go into the pool. Okay. Once again, you talked about all those different disabilities that you um, work with. And so we talked about, you know, some physical disabilities. Now, what about if I have a kid with an intellectual disability? Um, how, what kind of adaptations do you use to well, make them successful? We have a severely cognitively impaired classroom that I see in the pool twice a week. Safety is the main concern with um, that group. I have a lot of impulsive friends that like to just do whatever they can. I don't want anyone running out of the locker room or anything, so we set up having a certain adult in a certain spot, having sensors on the doors, childproof lot, childproof handles on the doors. I guess um, we also use a PEC system, pictures. I do rules before the before the kids even get into the pool, just reminding, oh, we keep our hands to ourselves, and we have little motions to, we go over that every single day to try to help rem- remember that. And I would say that's pretty much it. Okay. Um, so you have like different pictures and repetition with them, going over routines. Picture schedule helps. Picture schedule helps with all of my classes. It shows what we're doing for the day. Students get to. It, I pick a different student each time to take off the picture, and they really like that. And a good thing about working in the pool is I use like free choice at the very end as a motivator. So if my students work hard all throughout the class period, they get 10, 15 minutes to choose what kind of toys they want to play with at the end, and that really helps motivate doing their work beforehand. Okay, cool. And you mentioned earlier um, about the locker rooms, and you don't want the kids running out of the locker rooms. And you know, uh, my experience, too, and it was in a high school in the locker room, and um it definitely that was a, an area where a lot of problems always seem to occur yeah. is in the locker room. So what type? So what? What could we do? What kind of accommodations? What, what are we? What does the locker room look like in your you know school? How do you uh, make that as successful as possible? Well, as I mentioned, a sensor. It's kind of like 
one of the ones that you would hear when you walk into a store where it's kind of like a ding dong if you pass the sensor. I have that secured up on the top of the door frame towards the hallway, and we have um, the handles that make it difficult for children to open a, a door with. We okay, have those cool. on so someone couldn't just open the door and run into the pool without an adult. I also have our locker room is set up like a T. Mm-hmm. There's like an aisle way. The T, the top of the T would be between the hallway door and the pool door, and then the long, the long line would be the lockers and bathroom and sink. So, I have my students getting dressed, getting changed, and then once they've gotten dressed, they get to go on the short T side, and I have toys waiting for them. So it's just trying to be a motivator, keep our friends busy while other students are still getting changed. I put their life jackets on in the locker room, which saves time, and it's more safe than doing it on the pool deck. We also have a little picture showing, oh, first I, first I go to my locker, get dressed, then I use the bathroom, then I put on my bathing suit, that kind of thing, like mm-hmm. more schedules, more pictures. And if my friends have a tough time in the locker room, then I say, well, we're going to have to spend even more time in the locker room and less time in the pool, so... It's just kind of motivating. That's what I have to do for everything. Try to motivate our students, keep them safe, keep them on track. So is um, assessment a part of your classroom? Yes. Okay. And how do you, how, what type of assessments do you use in, in the pool and how are you performing your assessments? For the past two years, I've been assessing one skill each class, each class period, so... Monday is the bubbles day, say, I did a lesson on bubbles, that's what I'm assessing, that skill with my students. I would practice it throughout the hour, then right before they get free time, they have to each show me their bubbles, and so again, they're more likely to do it because they want to be able to play with all the cool toys we have and do all the cool things, so I would get them one-on-one and they would show me their bubbles. Throughout the lesson, though, like I said, if you're happy and you know it is a good one, because I just try to make it fun. I try to hide the assessment within what I'm doing so the kids don't think, oh, you're getting evaluated on this day. It's just more like a, a fun time, and then they have to do this at the end. That's how I do. Um, within my assessment, I, I write down if they were able to complete the task and with which level of prompting. The most would be full physical, and then it gets lower and lower, um, the last would be independent, verbal within there, partial physical, modeling, gesturing. And how much of your day is early childhood? I have seven classes throughout the week. So a good part of your day is early childhood, though. And so, and one more time, what were the ages that you worked with? Around two and a half to five. Okay. Uh, and so, you know, my experience with working with early childhood back when we were in the program together was um, that the parents were quite involved. What What is the interaction like for um, your parents of the early childhood uh, kids? Well, I send home a letter every beginning of the year just explaining the program, telling a little bit about myself, inviting the parents to come whenever they want. They can sit on the pool deck and watch or sit in my office because sometimes sitting on the pool deck, their students will cry and want to be with them instead of, being in the pool, even if they do enjoy the pool. 
so they might sit in the office instead. But I have the letter. They have to sign a permission slip saying that their student can participate every year. And, I call, of course, I call the parents if there are behavior issues. I send home a little certificate if they did a great job, if they did something new that they've been working on and, and just did for, like, the first few times. I'm really trying to work on that. Like I said, I'm a, this will be my third year, so there's a lot of things I do want to improve mm-hmm. with my curriculum, with everything. So my goal this year actually is to start doing a little newsletter and sending it home with the kids. So I'm excited to start that this school year. What would, what would be some of the things that would be in that newsletter? Just what we've been doing, some pool songs they could sing at home in the bathtub things they can do out of school, like a different... I have certain games that the kids really enjoy, so I can put those in there so they can be continuing their education outside of school as well. Awesome. Now, you work with some older kids too, and so what is the difference between your interaction with the early childhood parents and uh, your parents of your older students? So the school that I'm in has a center-based side and an elementary side. So the preschoolers get bussed over to me, but there's four classrooms that are on our center base side, and I am able to see the parents more because of conferences and just being by the classroom teachers, sending messages with the classroom teacher, seeing them more often, coming to pick up their children. I just try to I have a little more parent involvement with the kids that I actually see three times a week compared to once a week. Okay. Now, so you mentioned earlier that you're a newer teacher. This is your third year you're going into. Um, And I want to know from a new teacher's perspective, what are some of the obstacles that you see for a new a new adaptive physical education teacher? What what maybe is a little you know harder for someone that's in your shoes? Well, I feel like for any new teacher, whatever subject area they're teaching. It's a huge difference going from having to turn in specific lesson plans to your teacher, to your professor ahead of time, and um, it's just the involvement that you're used to having with the staff members and students that you're working with in in school, in your college, or wherever. It's a big difference being thrown into a school. You still get support, but it's nowhere near as much as you had, and people looking over you kind of thing. Um, That was a big difference for me was just kind of being in there, being like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what I should do in this situation. It's a big learning experience my first two years so far, definitely. (laughs) Well, but it sounds like you're growing, and I really like the newsletter idea to get the more parent involvement, the better. And so, you know, you're working at a center-based program, so a school – that is designed specifically for kids with special needs. What um, is the IEP process there? And then how involved are you in there in the IEP process? Well, my director got me involved in the process. I think in the past, the adapted PE teacher was never on IEPs. And he got me to start getting on the IEPs for my students at my school. I don't get on the preschooler school the preschoolers IEPs because there's about 90 of them that I see, (laughs) but, um, the students from my school, I get on their IEPs. I have one goal, two objectives. 
and I work with I work collaboratively with the with the physical therapist and OT and the classroom teacher. They help me out a lot. We try to work on each other's goals in our classes, and sometimes it's tough when they switch the date and I and they forget to tell me. But besides that, it's been a really good process so far. It's nice to let the parents know how their student's doing within the PLATH and um, having a goal to work on. Now, you're super busy all the time, and I know that, especially in a, a center-based program like that, there's probably IEPs going on every other day. But So how often are you able to actually get to the meetings? Not that often because I'm actually... When the students come to me, the teacher gets planning time, so mm-hmm. they tend to do that when, a, when the teacher has their planning time. So, like I said, I work collaboratively with all the staff in our school. I have someone explain. Usually the PT comes into my PE classroom, PE class, and, and we work together. So she knows a lot, and she also comes into the pool. So she'll help spread my message. And if the parents have any questions, they're, I have pretty much an open-door policy. They can always head down to the pool. Very cool. Me, so. Now, going back to you being a you know a new teacher, but just kind of more broadly, what do you think the biggest obstacles are for an adaptive physical education teacher in uh, you know in education? Um, I guess it would. I would have to say, in my district, I'm pretty lucky because we have great classes, great teachers. But it, maybe getting in some districts, it's not as well known. Maybe having troubles getting a full caseload of students and not having space available to teach your class. Sometimes what I've heard from other other places is that adapted PE is not the number one priority, which obviously it should be, right? Adapted PE is awesome, but sometimes it gets pushed to the side. And I think that's probably a struggle for a lot of adapted PE teachers in places. Um, and hopefully we can continue to promote our field and show how important our field actually is. It sounds like your school is doing a pretty good job, and you're doing a pretty good job of being, uh, you know, as beneficial and important as, uh, you know, you should be. So, yeah, well, it sounds like, you know, your whole district is doing a good job of that. So uh, what would be your favorite part of your job? Well, my I have a really fun job. I get to do a lot of fun things every day with my little elementary preschool students. Um, my absolute favorite, though, is seeing the growth over the year, like from how one student who would not even get in the pool because they were so afraid is at the end of the year could be putting their face in the water. Just seeing that growth. Of course, it's a big struggle in the beginning and in the middle, but by the end, just seeing how much of a difference that I could have made or how the student's attitude has changed. That's my favorite part. Seeing the growth is always a, a huge thing to be able to see in the kids. It's, uh, as you know, an educator myself, that's one of my favorite things I've been able to see is seeing a kid start from A and seeing them end at B, or hopefully even C, you know, bypassing. Yeah, yeah. So what would be, you know, th- there's always struggles with the job too. Um, so what would be some of those, you know, things that, you know, on a bad day, what are those things that aren't the bright spots of a, a APE teacher's day? 
Well, I try to stay pretty positive, but sometimes things happen and it's a rough day. I feel like when it's when it's my rough day, just things that I that were out of my realm of control start happening and I'm like, "Ah, how can I fix this? How can I make this better?" Having a bathroom incidents in the pool happens a lot. I call it a pool emergency to my students, but that can throw off a day. Luckily, we've been taught to just adapt, adapt, adapt. Like that's in our nature as adapted PE teachers. So just go in with the flow. But sometimes there's lots of things that happen. Yeah. Or a student getting hurt. Just things that are that you try to control, but it just happens sometimes. That's tough for me. If a student happened to have an accident in the pool, what is the what? What do you do? You need to get everyone out as soon as possible, as safely as as you can. Um, I just say pool emergency, and then we all get out. Have to either skim it ourselves or call the. There's somebody who's in charge of our pool. I don't deal with the chemicals or anything, and he comes in, and I'm always like, "Sorry, there's a little something in the pool for you," <laughs> and. Um, he shocks it. It's usually closed that the rest of the day, and then it starts back up in the morning. What do you do with your class if the pool is closed? Lots of fun gym activities. Okay. I get moved from the pool into our gym, and all of, the rest of the school on our side has to kind of adapt as well because some of the kids play in our side of the gym at, out at recess or they get little breaks and, and I have to be like, sorry, I have a whole nother class that needs a space to be. If it's really nice, we'll go outside sometimes. But I have a lot of little mini activities and lessons in the back of my brain just for times like that. Good. Uh, you, uh, Erica, I think we're going to get to the end of the interview and, um, you know, what, would you tell somebody that was looking into adapted physical education, you know, kind of as a last message, what would you tell somebody that was looking into that field as a future career? And what, what type of advice or suggestions could you give them? I would say go for it. Go get as much experience as you can. Try to volunteer or shadow someone. See if that's something you like. It's such a great field to be in. It's so rewarding. It's a lot of fun. You need a lot of energy. Go, go, go. But it's an awesome, awesome field to be in. Awesome. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, so, Erica, thank you so much for your time. Um, it's been a really nice talking to you about the different you know, things that you do in your class in the pool setting. I love it. It sounds like a lot of fun. I'd like to come and visit one day. And I love how involved you are in the IEP process. Uh, it sounds really great. So um, we will uh, you know, be on the air soon and I will have another interview coming up with Brad Wiener, the uh, 2013 National APE Teacher of the Year. And so let me know once again, any topics that you would like us to talk about, if there's any problems or issues or questions you have um, about APE or in your, in your um, daily life that we might be able to problem solve with you, please let me know and we can talk about it on the podcast. So um, I hope everyone enjoyed today's uh, podcast and Erica, thank you so much. 
Thank you. Happy birthday. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And uh, I'm going to go enjoy the rest of my birthday. And I hope everyone has an amazing day. And this is us signing off. Have a great day.